Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Just have a, I'm going to give you, I have a message, and then we're going to go back to worship a little bit more today. Is that all right? And hopefully you'll be willing to maybe hang in here just a little bit longer with us than normal, just a little bit. It's good to have everybody here. Uh, if this is not your normal church and you're like visiting, we're glad you're here. If this is, uh, you know, your first time here, thanks. Uh, it's good to have some guests here with us that have grown up here, and they're back and they're here with us today. And it is always good to have you guys here with us. That is a very special thing. Uh, it's always one of the biggest blessings of the holiday season. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'm not going to read the scripture today because it's several chapters and I don't want to be here reading for hours and hours on end. It's just stuff I want you to look at, but Luke chapter 1 and 2 and then Matthew 1 is where I'm going to look. So you can turn in your Bibles and be ready to just look at that with me as I describe some things for you. Um, <clears throat> have you ever waited for something to come, something to happen. You, you knew it was going to happen. You'd been promised. You believed it was going to happen. You were all about it, but then it never happened. And, and you've just about given up on it ever happening and given up all hope that it ever will. You know, I, I've heard people say things like, someday, I had always prayed, someday my wife would get saved. Someday my husband would come to church with me. Someday I'll quit drinking. Someday my kids will get saved. And yet those days have gone and come and gone, and you wonder, is that really ever going to happen? Is God ever going to do that in our lives? So I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to talk about the greatest miracle of all today, that which changes everything. And so I want to briefly tell you a couple of stories. Uh, there was a man, and it's, this is found in Luke chapter 2. There's a man, his name is Simeon. He was a righteous man, a good man, a man who believed, a man who trusted in the Lord, a man who followed the law. He was upright in everything that he did. He lived by the spirit of the law, not just the, the, the details of it, but he lived by the spirit of the law. He was a devout worshiper of God, and he was waiting for the Messiah of Israel to come. He, he really believed that that was going to happen. In fact, he had been told in his heart, and he believed that God had promised him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah with his own eyes physically, that he would see him physically. But now, now he had gotten very old. His uh, life was beginning to wane. His uh, eyesight was weak. He had become feeble, and time was starting to run out. The promise had been made a really long time ago, and like all of us, as this hope, this promise of, of this coming had, had, had uh, been promised, it was not coming in, in the promise of the fulfillment of it was beginning to fade quickly. He was not sure that he would ever live to see this Messiah. And he thought in his mind, maybe he had misunderstood. Maybe he had just messed up somewhere along the way and just that just wasn't really what he had heard at all. But Simeon was faithful and he still went to the temple to pray and he still did the things that God asked him to do. He was obedient to God. He worshipped him. There was a, another couple I want to tell you about. Their name are Zechariah and Elizabeth. And you find them in Luke chapter 1. And Zechariah was a godly man as well. He was a man of God and he was from the tribe of Levi, which meant that he was in the priestly line. His wife was also from the tribe of Levi. Her name was Elizabeth. They had married and they had had high hopes that one day they'd have a family like all other 
young people, and they believed that babies were the blessing of God. They signified the blessing of God on your life. And so they waited on those beautiful children to arrive. They wanted that family. But year after year, there were no babies, and they waited. This will be the year. This year, it's going to happen. 365 more days rolled around and no babies, and they waited. Their friends all had kids by now. And uh, they knew that sooner or later it would be their turn, but still nothing. And finally, their kids' kids were beginning to have babies. And they realized the time had run out, as far as they could tell. And the child had never come. That promise of children was going away. And I think maybe they were questioning God a little bit. I mean, they trusted God. They were good people. They were godly people. But I, I have to believe they had questions. Why, God? Where are you? Why didn't you answer our prayer? How come you let that happen to us? Did you even hear our prayer? Did it just fall on deaf ears? But still they were obedient. I want you to hear that part. Still they were obedient. That's so important. They were still obedient. They still believed. They still worshiped God. I want to assure you today that throughout the stories that I just told you, that God was not in heaven asleep. You need to get that in your mind. You know, because sometimes I think people think God is just off somewhere too busy to pay attention. I got to tell you, God was not in heaven asleep. God was not in heaven trying to come up with a plan. He didn't have to sit up there and go, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He was not wringing his hands. God had a plan. He always has had a plan, and it's on time. It always has been. And I have to tell you, it will be perfectly executed. Remember this, with God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And God Almighty is not constrained to our linear time tables. He has already lived in this day, and he knows everything that is going on here right now. And so at just the right time, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, at just the right time, or in the fullness of time, it says in some of the translations, in the fullness of time, God executed his plan. This part of the story is found in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah is on duty in the Holy of Holies. He's in the temple. Now, Zechariah was part of a, a group of people that, that uh, there was like a lottery. And when they drew up your, your number, uh, you were supposed to serve at the temple that week or that month or however long it was. And then when you got there, it would be several of you who were from that Levite tribe. And so you would then draw lots. And whoever the lot fell to would do certain different tasks. And, and, and only one time... In a man's life, would he ever serve like this? And only one time would he ever have the opportunity to serve in the Holy of Holies. And Zechariah's number had been drawn. And so he was going into the Holy of Holies. And so he went in there that day. And this is the same Zechariah I told you about who didn't have children. And he goes into this place and he's busy serving in the temple. He's in obedience to God. He's getting ready to light the incense. He's getting ready to do everything. There's no distractions. He's all alone. He's in this very holy place. And up in heaven, God begins to move. And he tells Gabriel, he says, go. And Gabriel goes. And the Bible says that Gabriel is the angel who stands in the presence of God. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but it says he's the angel who stands. Made me think that maybe the rest of them have to kneel. But for whatever reason, Gabriel's allowed to stand. And he's in the presence of God. He's a very important angel. A very powerful angel. He's a very special messenger. And this is a very, very, very special message that God is trying to get out. And he goes and he delivers this message to Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. You're going to have a son. And Zechariah is taken back by this. How can this possibly be? I'm old. 
Elizabeth's old. Things don't work like that in the earth. I understand, but, but man, he's forgotten about Abraham and Sarah at this point. And all he can think about is, man, I'm old. Now we're having a son. I don't believe it. But he goes. And he finishes doing what God's called him to do. And he goes out and he goes home. The baby's conceived. God also stood up in heaven and said, Gabriel, it's time to go again. Go to Mary. The young girl. She's just a teenager, really. She's really, no one anybody really, really notices. She's engaged to a guy named Joseph. And there are people that I created, and, and I've handpicked them for this job. And I want you to go. It's time. I want you to go. I want you to talk to her and tell Mary she's going to have a son. And Mary was like, wow, what do you mean I'm going to have a son? I'm not married. That's not possible. But God says it's possible. It's going to happen. Gabriel convinces her. Then he goes to Joseph, and he says, Joseph, listen, I know that it doesn't look good, and I understand how you feel, but Joseph, you got to listen to me here. You got to marry her. You're going to have to be with her. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. You're going to call this baby Jesus. He's going to be the Savior of the world. And I got to tell you the truth. There's a lot of that that I would go, What are you talking about, too? If it was me. But for whatever reason, maybe it's the angel standing in their presence. They believe. And the answer was, yeah, okay, obedience. Yes, Lord, did you get that part in there, that, that obedience? Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want, whatever you say. No hesitation, no word of how difficult this might make their life. And man, I got to tell you that that had to make their life difficult. Just, yes, I'm in all the way. And, and then there's one more thing that happened. And, and just the right time, in the fullness of time, God came upon a man named Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar Augustus is ruler of the Roman world, which meant he was the most powerful man on earth. He believes that the world revolves around him. Everything about him is what the world's there for. The world's there for one reason, to please me. I mean, it's kind of like your teenage kid, you know. <laughs> Only he's Caesar, and he can actually make it happen. And so he's sitting there, and he thinks of himself as a god who thought he ruled the world but in reality was a pawn in God's scheme of things, in God's plan. And God makes Augustus desire to have a, to have, have a uh, census of the entire Roman world. He, he, he lays it on his heart to count, see how many subjects he has. And so he calls for this census. And because of that census, and because Israel's part of the Roman Empire at this time, Joseph has to take Mary to Bethlehem. And so they leave their home in Nazareth. They go to Bethlehem. To be counted. And because of that, the prophecy is fulfilled. That the king would be born in Bethlehem. All because God's moving and fulfilling his plan. And all this comes together at just the right time. It's all part of the specific plan of God. Well, Joseph and Mary arrive in the Bethlehem. They arrive there in the city of Bethlehem when all the rooms were full. I got to tell you something. A lot of times we think of that and we think, man, they had no idea what was going to happen. And God was kind of like, man, I don't know what's going to happen either. Oh, I didn't even think about that. The rooms are full. That's not it. This is exactly what God planned. This is exactly what God wanted. 
They get there and all the rooms are filled up. There's no place to check in. All the Hiltons are full. You know, all, all the uh, embassy suites are full. You know, e even, the, even the Motel 6 is full. There's nowhere to go. And you know you don't stay at Motel 6 unless you just have to. I don't care if they do keep the light on for you. So they go in there and they're hunting and they can't find anything. Finally, they're given a manger. They're given a, a, a barn. You know, do you guys, I'm a little weird. I love to go in barns. I don't mind that smell. It, it, it smells like home to me. I, I just really enjoy that. I don't, not, not our house. That's not what I meant. I mean, you know, Darcy cleans at least six times, a, a, you know, six times a year. You know, so, you know, it's, no, I'm just kidding. No, she's really good. Our house is always clean. But, but when I grew up, you know, we had a barn and we had cows and we had horses and that smell is just like, wow, that's, that's home, that hay smell. That, that, I, I actually like that. But, but I don't know that everybody does. And John and uh, Joseph and Mary, they arrive there and they go into that manger and it's in that place, in a stable, in a manger, that God has a dwelling place on earth that night. Because Jesus is born in that. That's God come to be with us. And he's born in a manger. And God dwells that place in that place for the night with these poor kids in that lowly stable. Think about that. See, here's something that we don't think about. That's the Son of God. That's all God, all man. That baby is God and it's man. And that became a temple that night. You have to understand that. That manger became a temple that night. Remember a few weeks ago, I talked about how Solomon, uh, it was actually last week, I talked about how Solomon built the temple and, and then they prayed and, and the glory of God filled the place and it was so full that no one could get in there. That manger was filled with the same glory that night. That's hard for us to fathom. That God came and filled up the temple with his glory. The glory, the presence of God filled it up. His presence will fill any place or anyone that will be obedient to him and will welcome his son. I'm telling you right now, if we want the glory of God in our lives, we just have to be obedient to his son. We just have to listen to Jesus. We just have to start saying, okay, Jesus, whatever you want. And the glory of God will come in your life. It'll come in your church. It'll come in your home. You want to see God come in your home? You want to see your children find Jesus? Become obedient to Jesus and see what begins to happen in your life. You have to get this. God is never late or slow. That's the first thing I want you to understand. God is never late and he's never slow. We sometimes think he is because he doesn't come on our timetable. I have a timetable that I think God should have followed a long time ago, and he hasn't done that. Anybody here with me on that one? You know, uh, Yeah, it's a little struggle sometimes for me. Uh, but God is never late, and he's never slow. The second thing is this. God is never surprised by circumstances. Your circumstances that you're surprised by, God is going, I knew it was happening because I've already been there. Time isn't of any essence in my life. I lived in all the days. I know what all the days look like. And so your surprises, your circumstances don't surprise me. So if God isn't surprised by your circumstances, you can trust him. He already knows. Many times I am surprised by my circumstances. Anybody else? You know, my circumstances sometimes overwhelm me. Sometimes the circumstances of life beat me down. I, can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I thought God had forgotten something. Or, 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 or 
I thought this, God, you put me in the wrong place. This isn't where I was supposed to be. Uh, you must have made a mistake here, and we need to get this corrected as soon as possible. Or, or maybe I thought, man, God, you, you just don't really care about me. And I can't tell you how many times I've prayed something, and it felt like my prayers didn't go answered. Uh, they went unanswered. In fact, I got to tell you, I have prayers that feel unanswered right now. I have dreams that I thought 20, 30 years ago were going to come true in a certain way that I believed God had given to me that I still haven't seen happen yet. But I've come to know this, that God doesn't forget our prayers. And he doesn't ever just not care. And I've come to know that God will at just the right time show up. And when he shows up, he always shows off. And he does things that I can't even begin to imagine. I, was, I learned this as a child, and I've had to relearn it many times, but I learned this as a child. I grew up in a church close here in Anderson, Indiana, in Anderson First Church of the Nazarene. It was a great church. And there was a lady who went to church there. Her name was Maxine, and her last name was Coon, and, and, uh, and everybody called her husband Cooney. That, that was just the, who he was. I don't even know his first name. You know, I've known him all my life. No idea what his first name is. He's just Cooney. Cooney Coon. You know, that's all I knew. Maxine was this beautiful Christian lady. You know, she was a school teacher in the Anderson school system, and, and she, uh, she was a, a great person, uh, did missions in the church, and always taught children's church and different things like that. She was always involved, worked in the kitchen. One of those people that you go, wow, man, the church is lucky to have her. Cooney, on the other hand, was a just flat-out drunk. That's all he did. I mean, I don't know if he had a job. I just know he drank a lot. And, and he was always drunk. And he never came to church, and she was always embarrassed because she was like, yeah, but she always prayed for him. She always prayed for him. And it went on years after year after year, and nothing seemed to happen. And that was when I was a child. I remember seeing that and hearing about it. Well, then when I'm a teenager, I was working at the hospital in Anderson. I was over working in St. John's Hospital. I was a senior in high school, and I was working as an orderly on second shift, and I was in the emergency room one night, and I'm working, and they come in, and they bring this guy in on a stretcher, and I look, and it's, it's Cooney. He's been drinking, and he's gotten himself messed up, and he's on you know, he's not doing well at all. And I'm over there helping them as we're trying to get him straightened out and try to get him, you know, as comfortable as we can for right then. And as we're doing our thing, his wife comes in and she sees me and she's in tears and she grabs me and she takes me over and she goes, would you just not say anything to anybody? You know, they're, they're both in heaven now. I'm going to just give you that. But, but would you just not say anything to anybody? And I, I didn't. Well, I went off to college and I hadn't seen him for a long time. And then one day my mom called me. She goes, you're not going to believe this. She goes, Cooney came to church. I said, really? That's pretty cool. She goes, no, that. He got up and he went to the altar and he got saved. And you know what? The guy never drank another drop the rest of his life. He was delivered as well because God showed up. See, she prayed those prayers for years. Anybody here ever prayed prayers for years that just feel like they're on deaf ears? You pray and you pray and you pray and you're going, God, don't you hear me? And that's the way with Elizabeth and, and Zachariah. They prayed for that baby. I got to tell you, God had not forgotten. He just had a different plan. And, and you know, that's what, that was the big surprise for Zachariah was when he got ready to, when he got, <laughs> when he got ready, when the angel told him he was going to have a baby, he said, your prayers are answered. And I, I can only imagine Zachariah sitting there going, which prayer? And, and he's going, well, you know, the, you know, the one about you're going to have a child. And he's going, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. It's so long ago. I forgot I prayed that. And he said, well, God didn't forget. 
still has your prayer in his hand. He's still waiting because it wasn't time yet, but now it is, and you're going to have a baby. And that's what he did. And I don't know why he would wait that long in, in Cooney's life, but, but somewhere along the way, he had that, and he said, okay, you're going to get your chance. And he gave it to him, and he accepted it, and he got saved. You've got to know this, that God is always on time. There's never a time when God isn't on time. He's always right there, just the right time. And in a very natural way, the baby Jesus was born in the manger. It's very natural. It was very supernatural the way he was conceived and very natural the way he was born because heaven and earth came together and he was all God and he was all man and it all worked together. And at just the right time, heaven and earth came together and the spiritual and the physical came together and Jesus, all God, all man, is born in a manger just like God planned. And he was born to a couple who God knew would live in obedience to him. Who God knew would do what he asked. Because see, when God knows that you'll live in obedience, he can use you. Man. See, that's why a lot of us are, why isn't God using me? Maybe he doesn't understand. Maybe you, maybe you haven't shown him that you'll live in obedience. At just the right time, this incredible miracle of God becoming one of us actually happens. At just the right time and in just the right place, the Savior of the world was born. And when God needed a forerunner to announce the coming of the Christ, God already had a couple in mind, and it was Zechariah and Elizabeth, who he knew to be obedient and ready to do the work of raising this last of the Old Testament prophets. And he put his hand on them and he said, it's getting ready to happen. And by the way, he's going to be a blessing to you. The Bible says that. He's going to be a blessing to you. They weren't too old after all. They were just finally ready. And God had moved them and gotten them ready. And they were willing and they were obedient and they were in God's plan. And at just the right time, I love this part, Joseph and Mary got up and took the baby Jesus and they took him to Jerusalem on that eighth day because he had to be circumcised because that's the tradition and the custom. And they took him to the temple in obedience to God. And when they got there, Simeon is there. And Simeon looks and he sees them carrying the baby in and he recognizes him in his spirit. And he took Jesus in his arms and listened to this. That promise was fulfilled as this old man who had prayed forever held the Savior of the world in his arms. That rocks my boat a little bit. I don't know about yours, but man, because God was faithful to his promise. And Simeon just begins to praise the Lord over Jesus. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And just as God promised, he did what he said he would do in his perfect time. Move ahead 30 years later and John the Baptist at just the right time, in the fullness of time. Darcy described it to me the other day. She said, it's like this. Have you ever taken a glass, uh, taken a, a pitcher of water and you pour it in a glass? What happens when it gets full? It just runs over. In the fullness of time, when the time had finally gotten there, when everything was full, it ran over into what it was supposed to do. In the fullness of time, John the Baptist, at just the right time, through obedience to the hand of God, was baptizing in the Jordan, calling people to repentance. Because he was born to obedient parents who taught him to be obedient and to follow God. 
And Jesus, the Savior of the world, at that moment walks into the scene just as he's supposed to in obedience as he is led by the Spirit of God. And John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus and he begins to do miracles and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom has come. And three years following that, he's crucified in obedience to God. Did you hear that part? Jesus is obedient to his Father. Even Jesus had to leave in obedience to his Father. And in obedience to his Father, he is crucified on a cross for the sins of the world. And here's the best part. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. Just like the Father said it would happen. And i got to tell you something. This is the good news. I've been preaching about waiting. Anybody here tired of hearing about waiting? I've been preaching about waiting for a while. You've been waiting on me to get done with that. I know. I get that. I'm going to wrap it up for you here. The nations of the world are now blessed and enlightened by the obedient life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the Savior of the world. You know what that is? That's the promise that Abraham was given. 1,179 years before that. And the reason I know it was 1,179 years, it may be a give or take a year or two in there, but the reason I know that is because if you look in chapter 1 of Matthew, there is a genealogy of everyone all the way from Adam to Jesus and how, he was, and, and how his lineage went down. And, it's 28, or, or, and there's 28 years in a generation. And there's 14 generations, and then 14 generations, and then 14 generations. And if you multiply that, you get 1,179 years. So somewhere around there, Abraham was promised that your seed will be a blessing to the world. That through you, I will bring truth. Through you, I will bless not only the nation that I'm going to create out of you, but I will bless all the nations of the world. Even you and me, we're part of that. We're part of that that, that God promised to bless through Abraham. We are now blessed because his See, Jesus Christ is our Savior. He's our forgiver. Here's what I hope you'll understand out of all the things I've just said this morning. This is it. God is a God who has made promises. We sang about that earlier, too, by the way. That was good. God keeps his promises. Always does. Never a time when he doesn't keep his promises. And you have to grasp that those promises are on his timeline, and they're not on yours. Just remember that. And so when we're in the middle of something and it doesn't seem like it's all working out and we're going, what in the world? And we're scratching our head. It's time to remember that God is still in charge and it's on his timeline, not ours. While I may not understand why the delay and why the wait, God has a purpose for it all. He just does. Did, did you know, this is just a little side note, that John Wooden, how many of you know who John Wooden is? Basketball coach, UCLA, won 10 national championships. You know how many years he coached at UCLA before he won the first one? 16 years. Most people had gotten fired. <laughs> Hadn't won in 16 years. I think he won. He just didn't win the national championship. And then he went and he won 10 more. 10 after that. From 1948 to 1964, he did not win a game. Or did not win a championship. Why did he have to wait so long? I don't know. Don't know. But God knows why we have to wait. He understands. And it's all in his purpose and all his time. And it's in the waiting that God is preparing and refining us and testing us. 
to see if we'll be obedient? That's one of the things he's looking for. Will you follow him? Are you usable? Can you and will you be willing to do the things that God wants to do through you, even if it isn't always like you think it ought to be? It's in God's perfect timing and in the fullness of time that all things work out as he's planned for our good. And this is the things I know. God never goes back on a promise. If the promise is from God, it's good. You need to believe that. Live in peace and in assurance today. Secondly, don't get impatient. Don't give up. Don't give in to your doubts. You know, it took Sam Walton seven years after he started his first store to start a second store. He had to just hang in there because it just wasn't happening at first. As you well know, he now has a few stores around the United States called Walmart. But it took seven years from the first store to the second store. God's plan for you is in keeping with his perfect plan for the world. And you fit into that plan in some way. I promise you right now, there's not a person sitting in this room that does not fit into God's perfect plan for this world right now. He's got something for you. And it starts with your obedience. Are you willing? If you're willing, then I can use you. It's just that simple. Delays and waits are for a reason. We need to learn to trust God's timing, not expect ours. We need and have to become obedient to God even when we don't understand. I don't understand, God, but I'm going to do what you want me to do. I don't understand, God, but I'm going to continue to live in my obedience. I'm getting old, God, and that promise, I thought it was for a younger person. But if you say so, then I'm going to keep going because I believe you. I trust in you. See, we need to trust that God's promise to Isaiah which is, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, that is found in Isaiah 9, 6, has actually been fulfilled. It's a done deal. So I have two questions that I'm going to conclude this with, and then we're going to invite Nathan to come back up here, and uh, the band, and they're going to play some more. But my question is this. Do you trust him? Here we are at Christmas time, and I'm not asking you, are you, uh, uh, do you think that the, the baby looks good or, or, or are you enjoying the Christmas season? Because that's fine, whatever. Whether you enjoy it or not, doesn't matter. My question is, do you trust in Jesus? It's a good question. And you need to answer that question. Each one of us needs to answer that question right now. And you can't say, well, I used to trust in Jesus, but I mean, you know, that doesn't count. Do you right now, this moment, do you trust in Jesus? And the second thing is this. If you do trust in him, are you living in obedience to what he's asked you to do? Are you living in obedience? Not, not partial obedience, not sort of obedience, but are you doing what he asked you, period, to do? Are you sticking with it? Are you going forward? Are you hanging on? Are you letting go? Are you willing to do what he asks you to do? Father, that's my, my prayer today. And that's my thoughts that you've given me. I believe that was from you. And, and I don't believe, Lord, that, uh, I don't believe, Lord, that, that it's uh, for these guys as much as it's for me. You're calling me to obedience. You're calling me to trust in you and i gotta be honest lord is there are times when my trust wavers when i begin to think i don't know maybe god isn't going to do what he said but then lord you step up and you show me and so lord i i pray that you would help me and forgive me for the times when i've wavered 
And I pray, God, that you would help me to live in obedience to you all the time. And I pray that you will help this church to live in obedience to you. Each individual here who makes up this church to live in obedience to you, to trust in you fully, to give you everything and say, okay, Lord, all the way with you. Nothing, nothing, nothing held back. No matter what the circumstances, doesn't matter. Our trust is in you. And if there's someone here today, Lord, who can't say that they trust in you, I pray today before they leave here that they would that they would let you speak to their heart and move their heart to trust you. And if there's anyone here, Lord, who, who is struggling with obedience and following you, that today they would say, okay, today we follow. Today we give him everything. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. You're good and good, good Father, and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Olivia, come up here. Come here. It has been a privilege over the last five years to serve with Nathan and Olivia. They've been such a blessing to our church. They've uh, led us in worship, and and they've led uh, college students, and they've uh, uh, helped with youth and whatever else needed to be done. They have been faithful, and I. Uh, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate them. I want to take a few moments and just say that. They, uh, they came at just the right time. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, I remember the first few times I remember seeing Nathan as a teenager, uh, back when Todd Owens was still here in the youth group, and then he began to play in the band with Seth Barron, and, and God used him to, to grow into the man that he is. And uh, uh, Olivia, she just kind of came along with him and made him look really good. So, you know, we were glad for you, Olivia. Thank you for doing that. And we got to see them get married and, and start their lives together. And so what a blessing over the last uh, uh, five years of time that this has been for us. And that's what it's been. Um, but as you well know, everything changes and it's a world of change. And so today is Nathan's last Sunday to lead worship in our service here. He'll be here for Christmas Eve, by the way, the 24th, 8 o'clock, Christmas Eve. We're having service here, communion candlelight. It'll be really neat. So he'll be here then. But then next week, which is really his last Sunday, he's going to be with the youth group on a trip. And so he won't be in here for that. So I wanted to take today, and, and by the way, you know, I didn't know that. And, and we had a really nice dinner planned and all kinds of stuff, and, and you guys messed that all up. So I just want to just tell you that. But appreciate you anyway. So uh, we want to give you this. This is a token of our appreciation from the church. And I want to tell you that we love you and that we're praying for you and that we believe God's going to do great things in your life. And that uh, this is just, uh, this was just to help get you started and get you on your way. So uh, we, we do, we love you. You mean the world to us. And uh, thank you for all the great years. So thank you. By the way, if you have cards, things that you want to give, there's a basket in the back that we can collect in if you want to do that. But afterwards, he's going to stay up here. Make sure you come up and hug him. He needs lots and lots of hugs until he smells like everybody's perfume. Okay? So, that's right. Father, I pray that that song comes true, that you change the atmosphere, that you build your kingdom here. Lord, we need your help right now in the world that we live in, in our nation, in our city, and in our church. 
And God, we implore and ask that you would come and that you would do that. Lord, thank you again so much for all that you've given to us. Thank you for the years that Nathan has given us and served here and loved us and and played and shared his music with us and and led us into your presence. And Lord, I pray your blessings over him that today uh, will not be uh, just a a different, an ending to something and and it doesn't matter, Lord. I pray that, that the blessing of God will continue on him, that your your strength will go with him, that your, your music will continue in him, that you will give him songs to write and songs to sing, and that you will fill him up and use him in a powerful way in your kingdom. And I pray for Olivia, Lord, that you will bless her, that she will have a sense of your love and your care over her, Lord, like never before, and that she will be the woman of God that you've called her to be. And may they live in obedience to you always, Lord. May they always seek you first. Lord, I praise you for what you're doing. I praise you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're the reason why we're here, Lord. It's not for music or anything else. You. And Lord, the promise that you made is that you will be the same, that you will always be here, that you're not going anywhere, that you're going to stay the same forever and ever. And we give you praise for that. Lord, thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless. And uh, make sure you give uh, Nathan and Olivia a hug. And uh, let them know you love them.